My name is Woody, and on today's episode, I talk with my breath, Mitchell Doomlau. Mitchell is a video producer who works on creative content for brands like Champion, Red Bull, and Tapatillo. He currently teaches video production and channel optimization at YouTube, and he's also co-founded brands like Stripe TV and Rave Train, which have accumulated over 60 million views. Also an amazing DJ, Mitch is dipping his toes into music production and other creative outlets. We chat about creative burnout, growing up as a Filipino-American in the hip-hop scene, being a multifaceted creator, and more on this episode of Super Tight. I hope you guys enjoy. Super tight. Did you start DJing first or get into video first? So I got into, wow, that's a crazy, no, video. It's like chicken or the egg almost, but. It is. So the reason why I got into video is because my parents used to rent videos every Thursday. It was a two for one special. Blockbuster. No, it was, a, it was called <laughs> Captain Video. Oh, I remember this. It's called Captain Video. Where is that? It's in Santa Barbara. Okay. And so every Thursday it was two for one. My mom used to go there. We used to go as a family and we would go and I would go pick a movie. The parents pick a movie. So kids pick one, parents pick one. Then we'd watch it as a family. And I, and I didn't think about it then, but now looking back, like that is how I connect movies is with family. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, awesome. So um, I started making videos with my mom and dad's uh, camcorder. Little JVC, little mini DVs. And how about how old were you? I think I was. It was uh, fourteen. Yeah, I remember this. It was it was freshman year in high school or something like that. And we were. I was just creating weird like music videos, like in sync music videos. Like me and my cousins would make these really stupid music videos, but. It was the start of my music video. Thank God we didn't have the internet. Oh God! <laughs> Could you imagine? It was bad. All the NSYNC cover videos that would be online right oh, now. Oh Lord! <laughs> Forever. And the funny thing is, is that those were the days where I was wearing um, really baggy pants and bleached blonde tips, and I was looking super fresh. That's the early 2000s aesthetic, <laughs> man. Everybody had that shit. I had. Everybody had that shit. I remember I dyed my hair blonde and I had to shave it off because no. it looked fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so then I just had like, I had a, a shaved head that was yep. bleached. Yes. Yeah, so so you just, were like Eminem. Essentially. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I wanted, you were, I wanted you, to be. Yeah. You were a rapper too. So it, it was just perfect. Yeah, I was. Um, but you were, so you filmed on the camcorder. Yeah, I was on so the camcorder. So that was technically before DJing. Yes. Interesting. And, I and thought it would be the other way around. And the crazy thing is, too, is that I took an Adobe Premiere course when I was a kid. It was in high school. I remember it was at City College. It was in the summer. And I took Adobe Premiere way back in the day, like late 90s. Really? They even had that back yeah. then? I, I, I always remember this because um, I also took a Photoshop class. Yeah. It's crazy. I was kind of ahead of the time because... I took this Photoshop class and <laughs> you're looking around. I'm pretty fucking prolific. Bro. Yeah, whoa! Because <laughs> I, I was, I was, I took it with a friend of mine, and I pulled this prank on the class where everyone was showing like what they made on Photoshop, 
And then I did like something stupid, like a really funny, like little, like I think I either drew a penis or someone pooping on something. <laughs> I photoshopped it, and then they're going through all the class stuff, and they showed this picture. People are like, "What is this?" And people start laughing, and I'm like, "I'm an idiot, I'm this fucking goofball." But yeah, so I started, you know, Adobe Premiere, camcorder, making little videos um, before I DJed, and that's when I started dancing. I was a uh, before all this, I was a dancer. I did not know that. Yeah. Crazy. What kind of dance? So first, when I was young, my mom signed me up for this contemporary dance class back in Australia when I lived in Australia. Of course you lived in Australia. I yeah. didn't know any of this shit. Yeah? Oh, yeah. shit. That's oh, nuts. Bro. <laughs> so I was born in the Philippines, moved to Australia when I was three. Wow. And I grew up in the down under Yeah. for about, wow, it's like uh, six years. And you and didn't carry the accent over. No, mate. No. Kept it but you can nice still do it. Real. You can still do it, though. Maybe. <laughs> My name is Mitchell. I'm from Sydney. And I enjoy videos and DJing. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, so, you know, I, when, I was, when I was in Australia, my mom signed me up for this contemporary dance class. And my, my little brother and older brother laugh about it because I, I was wearing this, like, all silver... Outfit had silver face paint. I was doing these like contemporary dance moves, and it contemporary was, is what exactly? I would say well back then contemporary was like in the eighties, so it was like expressive dance, and it was very um, uh, artistic and jazzy. It was more of like the, interpretive dance, almost interpretive dance. Got you. That's what Got it really you. was. Got you. Yeah. And so I remember doing that. That was my whole foray into art, and I was like painting when I was in junior high. But then when I got into uh, high school, went through a whole, what is it called, identity crisis. We all did. I was like a punk rocker, listened to ska, and then like I got into hip hop, and then I got into raving. And so I started making uh, videos during this time and got into DJing because I was like, oh, I, need, I want a, some kind of outlet. And I saw DJ Qbert. At Audiotistic in 1998 or 99. So when I got introduced into hip hop, well, into DJing, I got introduced to the rave culture. So it was this crazy like fork in the road of like my, my life. They're actually very parallel because I think that EDM and hip hop has really shaped me a lot. Like EDM, well, we're not even gonna say EDM. This is before EDM. Yeah, I was gonna say it's way before that. Yeah, Electronica. Yeah. Remember Electronica? That's yeah. when it was like... It's like Pump Up the Jam. Tektronic? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all you had was techno and trance and house and drum and bass. Yeah. That's all you had. Or jungle. You don't have like, what is it? Like future bass or deep future house. All the subgenres of everything now. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so I got into a video before DJ. Interesting. I did not expect that at Crazy. all. I know. Yeah, that's cool. And when you were going through this time in your life, how, how was it being a Filipino and now Australian yeah. <laughs> American at that time where um, I was a white kid growing up and I yeah. loved hip hop. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was like white and black. Yeah. And I didn't even think about you growing up yes. being who you are. Yeah. So you're, even, you're not even in the spectrum. I know. It's just kind of you're just in there somewhere. Yeah. What is this, that like growing this up? Is a, this is a very interesting and 
deep conversation because I like this because this is what I, I actually want to create into a movie, which we can talk about later. Yeah. Because um, when you're when you're growing up in hip hop, you only see black, Latino, and then white rappers because the BC Boys. And Asian people or just Asian Americans and just even, yeah, Pacific Islanders, you never had really any representation. So the only representation we had was in DJing, really, and breaking, like b-boying. Right. And maybe graph writing, you know. So, so Qbert who was like, whoa. Yeah, that's the reason yeah. why I got into DJing is because like, it's a Filipino guy doing it, so I got to do it. That's rad. So that's why I think that DJing, to me, was my creative outlet in a culture that didn't allow me to be a rapper. <laughs> totally. And so I was like, all right, cool. If I'm going to be in hip hop, I'm going to be a DJ because I, I feel like that's the only way that people could respect me with my slanted eyes. So yeah, no, I got a lot of, you get a lot of discrimination. I mean, this is a, yeah, for sure. This, this is definitely like a, um, a topic that people don't talk about. Because like even these days, right, with 88 Rising, like, and Dumbfounded, and even, uh, it's not hip-hop, but like BTS, you know, like yeah. K-pop. Like, Asians are, are relatively, you know, uh, accepted to be pop or hip-hop stars. But then, back then, I remember when Jin came out. Jin was the only Asian rapper. Yes. Ever. And was, <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember this. He was this. killing. He was killing. He was 106 in Park, Freestyle Fridays. That's right. He would destroy battle rappers left and right, and they would come at him with all these Asian like stereotypes and discrimination. And he would just be like, "I'm just gonna rip on, rip into you and just show you that I'm just a talented MC." And so when Jin came out, that's when a lot of Asians were like, "Oh, cool, an Asian MC." But after that, wasn't really anything that you could really like, yeah, attach yourself to when it came to the Asian image because there's even this group called the Mountain Brothers. Hey, Mountain Brothers, I think was one of their like up and coming Asian hip hop groups, ahead of its time. Really dope beats, amazing lyrics, and this is they, early two thousands. It's early two thousands, yeah, yeah. and they got. I remember they said something about an article where they had a, a record deal, an offer, and they wanted them to jump out of like a uh, jump out on stage in like monk costumes or in karate <laughs> costumes, and they hit a gong. Something crazy Are you like just that. Just something so racist. Yeah, this is early two thousand. Blatantly racist. Okay? Yeah. So, so let's 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 get real here. Okay, so we're gonna change your name to the Kung Fu Crew. Exactly. And we're <laughs> like, gonna be called Ching Chang. Seriously, what we're the have three fuck, members: dude? Ching Chang and Chong. Oh and that's, man, that's that's what we're gonna have here. It's so terrible. But that's 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 the how I felt when I was growing up in hip hop. Was all right. You're a DJ. You're Asian. You're a DJ. Dope. But rapping, you're not allowed. You can't, you can't rap. You guys can't rap about anything. You don't have any struggle. I'm like, okay, let's just let's let's, let's talk about this here. <laughs> like, what are you gonna rap about? Dude? Yeah, we're rock. We're you can rap about, about anything, yeah. really. Now, that's the funny thing is, when we were growing up, it wasn't it wasn't like that. Mm -hmm. You couldn't be a rapper if you were any other ethnicity than black. Yeah, straight up. Seriously, let's it talk was, about it, that. It was nuts. Yeah. And then Eminem came out and he was because the Beastie Boys were always like um they were they were rock and roll mm -hmm. in a lot of respects. Mm -hmm. So they were rap too, but they were mostly alternative. Yeah. And then you had cornball shit like snow and vanilla yes. ice and blah blah blah. And it wasn't really until Eminem came out, I feel, that 
it was it could be done. Yeah, because it was so good. Yeah, yeah. So and that was during the time of remember Fred Durst, Fred Durst, and Limp, and Limp Biscuit. Yeah, which and was that, fire. And do you remember that was that was that's when it was rap rock. Yep. And this I is think when. it's coming back. It is. It is. Yeah, dude. I, I'm just like I love the cycles and I love talking about this because remember Kid Rock? Yeah. Oh man, he's terrible. And he, <laughs> and he but he's apparently well, he is like a really dope DJ. Really? He oh, he started juggle. DJing. Yeah. I think he started DJing. Yeah. He can beat juggle. He can scratch. Like I give him respect for that. And now he's a shitty politician. <laughs> he's a politician, <laughs> dude. He's like straight up running for fucking Senate or something in oh my. Texas or. Some state, I forget what state it is. Yeah, that's what happens, man. Like shit. Like people get really popular, and then all of a sudden they think they can uh, get into politics. Why? Kanye West shouldn't be even close to being president. I mean, <laughs> saying this, <laughs> looking yeah, know, at who our Trump. president is right now, but what the fuck? Dude? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. It is. But Woody, I mean, for you when you were growing up, yeah, and you were doing rapping. Mm-hmm. I remember you were. You're telling me you were in the Bay Area. Yep. Bay Area has a very distinct hip hop history. It does, yeah. And I like it. Yeah. It's actually very much more open minded. For sure. It can get uh, into the point of like being very uh, political, which I loved. Yeah. And, um, but remember, I don't, I don't remember back in, the, back in the day of battle rapping. There's a lot of good battle rappers. Yeah, battle rapping was amazing. Mm-hmm. I used to be so into battle rapping. Yeah. I used to battle rap at parties. Yes. All the time. What, we got to, you know, Woody. Slay people. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, dude. It's so fun. Yes. So fun. Yeah, I've been rapping forever. Um, I still don't, I don't really rap right now other than the shows and shit that I make, the cartoons and the, the fake yep. rap. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, rapping's, <laughs> rapping's amazing. I think anybody can be a rapper. These days, yes. Anybody can be a rapper. Yeah. Yeah. But it does piss me off when, uh, they take it too far. Like you were talking about the Asian group mm-hmm. <laughs> wearing all this crazy yeah, shit with like a gong. outfits and hitting a gong. That's, this is what the world where we live in. It goes too far. Has. It goes way too far all the time. But that's, I guess that's pop culture in general. Something yeah. gets popular and then they just exploit the fuck out of it. Yeah. Look what happened to Gangnam Style and Sai. Yeah. And like now, what's interesting now, YouTube has made it easier for Asians and Asian Americans to uh, express themselves and be themselves. And you can see different types of YouTubers like Ryan Higa, Freddie Wong, you know, JR, I mean, um, JK Films. A lot of, there's a lot of big YouTubers now that, and Instagrammers and influencers that are Asian, Asian American. So it's cool to see that. 88 Rising and that whole crew love what they're doing. Even with DJing, you know, from like Toki Monster to Afrojack. Um, sorry, not Afrojack. Laidback Luke. I was going to say, I didn't know. Laidback Luke, Steve Aoki. Yeah. Uh, and then you got Carmack, which is dope. Uh, you have Esta. And there's a lot of like, uh, I think Asians and Asian Americans now are becoming this uh, creative force that you can't just deny it anymore. And it's just have... going to keep snowballing. Oh, yeah. Because like you were saying with Qbert, you see somebody's doing it mm-hmm. and it gives you the right, the okay. It's yeah. like you can go ahead and do that. Go yeah. ahead and chase that. It, it gives you an example. And as long as uh, Asia keeps procreating yeah. the amount that they have right now and <laughs> allowing kids to look at YouTube, people yep. are just going to keep getting taught and inspired and creativity is just going to keep growing. Yeah. So what do you, what is everything that you do? You do so many things. You DJ, you make videos. You're, I know. 
messing around with music production and making beats and yeah. doing everything. Yeah. What, uh, what do you think that everyone needs an arsenal of talents in 2019? Um, I do. So I kind of feel like the way that the recession happened, <laughs> it kind of took away the funding from a lot of industries and it made everyone, every company had to contract and pay their employees the same rate for multiple jobs yeah. <laughs> in order just to stay afloat. And that also kind of transferred over to the freelancing world where you cannot just be a director. You know, you had to be a director and also a DP and a producer. And that's where the, the, the term predator came along, hmm. which is hilarious. I've never even like, heard that. Yeah, producer, editor. Uh, or also, you know, you, a predator fights every, you know, um, alien in the Arnold universe. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Arnold too. But yeah, so what I do, I do a lot of um, just content and creativity. You know, a friend of mine met with me yesterday. We were filming and she was even like just listing all the top of the things of, that I'm doing. And she's really inspired that I just create. And, you know, uh, so I direct, produce, film, and edit videos and film and content. So um, filmmaker, videographer, so I create videos. Uh, I also DJ, so I've been DJing ever since I was 15, over 10 years now, and now I'm uh, uh, producing music as well, which is cool because I was actually producing music when I was during you know 15, 16 when I had Fruity Loops, mm. and I was making Fruity Loops beats, rapping with it with my friends, you know, getting samples, and I remember using Fruity Loops and then Reason. And then uh, cakewalk. Oh yeah, cakewalk. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, difficult. Oh yeah. <laughs> so then I, I got all into that digital, um, you know, music production. Production, and then I got into college, and I just went straight film and DJing, and not and music production went to the side. So other Did than you that, study, you studied film in college. Yeah, film studies. Got you. Okay. And so now, other than so, like yeah, it's really just film, music, DJing, directing. Then entrepreneurship, of course, you know, um, I feel like entrepreneurship and creating brands, like I love just creating brands and just creating things, whether it's an ad campaign, whether it's a company, whether it's a brand, like even these days, like I, I directed a web series last November and it wasn't just, oh yeah, here's a script, here's a director, let's just shoot it. It was an Instagram page. It was a website. It was a you know a short. It was a short film mixed into, split into three parts, um, and we had Instagrammable gifts. <laughs> you know, that's a lot. And you got to think about it these days, where um, 2019, you got to be on every single platform to be recognized or even like uh, noticed, and so you have to have that many skills on the other side of that you can't spread yourself too thin because then you find yourself in a situation where you're not producing the art at its fullest potential it's kind of like when a player like Bo Jackson or something plays football and baseball mm -hmm. which one is he better at as obviously I think he was football for him yeah but I think does it dilute your your skill set if you focus too much energy on other things like if you started painting mm -hmm. <laughs> and spent time painting you know it's good to know certain things that fall under jurisdiction of making videos so yeah. audio making music mm -hmm. and these other skills that you have 
can contribute to the end result of making a cool video or making content. Yeah. Um, but at what point do you do too much? Yeah, um, I think it's when you start looking at your content and your videos and your what you create from a very, uh, I would say, unbiased point of view and really look at it and ask friends and, be, and ask yourself, is this the best version of me? And if you, like even for myself, like I'm always going to be improving left and right. And with video, um, I'm at a point where I want to work on my story, um, storytelling. And I also want to work on my shots. You know, what's the, what shots are going to tell which emotion and express which, um, you know, message that I want to tell. So for videos, like, I kind of feel that it's just part of my lifestyle now. Now, when I start adding other skills, like, like I want to get back into dance again. Like mm-hmm. I'm not. I know for a fact that I'm not going to become this. You're not going to paint dancer. yourself silver and do interpretive dance. Yeah, you know because you're talking you know, about <laughs> exactly because you know there's not enough uh, you know money in the world to get me to do that <laughs> unless you know it's for super tight. <laughs> I, need, for super tight. I need that picture for the episode, oh, dude. I'm, I'm gonna send the, it to for you for the cover of this it's, episode. It's pretty funny, and it's it is, I'm in a trash bag. It looks like a silver <laughs> trash bag, bro. And I'm like seven years old, and I'm like, wow, this dance teacher just put me through this, and I'm gonna live with it forever, for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, man, like, I honestly feel like it's it's. I'm at a point where I I am videography. I mean, sorry, filmmaking. I was gonna say filmmaking and DJing and just. Uh, creating brands which is weird I don't know how to explain it like yeah the creation of a company or a brand or of, of like an online like platform whether it's like an Instagram page or I'm like, I just want to throw up like you know photos of my socks like I just I'm at a point where I just need to create but if I want to master I need to work on that mastery and I, I, I want to work on my craft like I've been putting I'm putting seriously eight hours a day every day of the week yeah. If not four hours a day on video, damn, it's become a um, an not even an addiction. It's like a necessity because I've got I've I've built it into a habit. Yeah, like you in music production. Yeah, like you're making a beat before I got here. Yeah, because you're just like you have this creative energy inside, and you're telling yourself, I can't rest right now. I can either run, I can watch TV, or I can create something. Because I don't even watch TV. I don't watch TV. I don't even watch. Netflix. I have to force myself to watch Netflix so I can do research on what new techniques. It doesn't. It doesn't matter, anyways, if you do watch Netflix because mm-hmm. you're going to be inspired by a shot or a scene or the way that somebody did something mm-hmm. and have to get off of the fucking couch and go. Yeah. Oh, how did they do that? I need to go do that and figure it out and learn it. Exactly. That happens to me all the time. I'll be watching TV and it's like, well, I'm going to get up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go make a beat. That was fucking rad. I don't know how they did that in the background, but <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go try to recreate that. Or That really inspired me. Yeah. And that's why I think that once you start getting into, once you, start, you find your, your craft, you have to, if you are truly going to follow a life of being a creative and an artist and you want to just live a, a fulfilled life, pursuing your dreams and working on your passions, you have to be working on it every single day. Yeah, absolutely. You have to. Absolutely. And so I think humans, we can, we, I don't think we can do more than like six things at one time. I, I don't can't know do I mean. more than one and a half things, bro. Exactly. <laughs> like seriously, I think there's a thing where like, you know, you, a human can't think of two things, focus on two things at the exact same time. I think time. females can. 
but yeah, male humans males, no, are exactly. just very simple. We're right? very simple people. <laughs> okay. But we, yeah, I think uh, for the creatives out there, find your craft. If you're going to become a jack of all trades, uh, find the one that you really like and just add an extra hour or two to that yeah. every day. Although, I will say, mm-hmm. the technology has changed a lot yes. over the past however many years, right? Mm-hmm. You used to to be shooting video. Yep. You used to not be able to just set up a camera or use your phone mm-hmm. to film. It used to be a whole process where you had to learn about how to roll the tape up or how to mm-hmm. do A, B, C, D, and E. And the craft was more than just the execution of the creative idea. It was mm-hmm. the preparation. And that it was like that in music. It was like that in, in most mediums. Mm-hmm. So I think now with technology, you can do all these different things. And, yeah. it's, and you can go on YouTube and learn how to do it. It's right there. Yep. So sometimes I, th- I think I'm spreading myself too thin mm-hmm. where I'm watching tutorials for Illustrator and yeah. how to vectorize something, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I check myself. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I should go work on some music. Yeah. But I, I don't think that that's the case. It used to mm-hmm. be, imagine doing graphic design without, with an early version of Photoshop. Yeah, right. Or something. You mm-hmm. know, it's just, it would take 10 times as long. Yeah. And there wouldn't be as many tools at your disposal. Mm-hmm. So, that's true. Yeah. I think these uh, the, the softwares and the tools and the hardware and everything that's available right now it allows you to express the different art forms. And you know, uh, there's a really good book called How to Be Everything mm. where it talks about how people can't just identify themselves with one role. Like when you ask somebody, like, what do you do? And they're like, I'm, a, I'm an accountant. It's like, who are you? It's like, I'm, I'm an accountant. Is that how you identify yourself? No, you would say, you know, I'm an accountant, but I'm also a dad. I'm also a friend. I'm like also a son. Fishing on the weekends. Exactly. And, yeah, I whatever. Do, exactly. <laughs> I, make, I make curry, you know, <laughs> I make, you know, cool little knitting, like, you know, little napkins. Like, people do multiple things. Yeah. You know, even when people are, are just, they, they say, I'm an engineer. I'm like, yeah, but what do you do at home? I'm like, oh, yeah, I know I play StarCraft and, you know, I also hike and I jog. So why can't someone like ourselves say like, oh, yeah, I'm a videographer, I'm a DJ, I'm a, uh, I'm a musician, I'm also a uh, entrepreneur, I'm a brand manager, I'm a content strategist, and be proud of that. Absolutely. You I know? think it's something that's really overlooked or I guess it's really bastardized. Mm-hmm. Because if I see somebody or you see somebody that uh, there's just initial judgment if you have 20 things on your resume where I know. There, you can't be an actor and a musician or yeah. something that used to be, that used to be really frowned upon. Mm-hmm. And what really fucks me up is remember, I remember distinctly when The Rock converted over from wrestling uh-huh. to being an actor. Yeah. And I was hating so hard. I was like, <laughs> look at this motherfucker right here. <laughs> he wants, this wrestler for the WWF wants yeah. to be a fucking uh, serious actor. Yeah. And now look at him. He's the most popular dude in the world. Yeah. And, so. it, and now he's a producer. You know, it's like yeah. crazy. Damn. So that's why I, was, I, think, I was hating super hard. Dude. I, I got to stop with the hate, man. Yeah, we all got to with, stop with the hate, Woody. No more hating. <laughs> But yes, software and all the tools right now for all your creatives out there and people who just want to create, go make a beat, go, you know, sing, go, uh, go take a martial arts, do what you, do what you got to do. I think that we as humans, we have so many uh, different 
talents and facets in our in our lives that we can't just stick to one thing. So let's all be real here. Like it's not like you, all you can do is wake up and breathe. All right, we're out yeah. there. We're driving. We're cooking. We're learning this and that. If we uh, couldn't change, if we couldn't approve, like it's the success mindset, right? It's the whole idea of like, are you idle and you're stuck in your ways, or do you believe that you can change? And so I believe that everyone can change. That's the reason why you go to school. That's the right. reason why you pick up, you know, different courses so you can improve yourself in one part of your life. So everyone has a capacity to change. So everyone has a capacity to learn a new skill. Everyone has a capacity to express their talents. Yeah. So and now we have all these different. And don't things. be afraid. Don't yeah. be afraid to put shit out. And yeah. you have to. You have to put shit out. Yeah. Too. That's another thing that holds people back. Because mm-hmm. they don't. They they'll create something and they don't think it's good enough and yeah. they'll just throw it in the corner, and it'll never come out. And they won't learn from that experience of. Whether it's just posting a picture on Instagram yeah. or releasing a song or putting mm-hmm. out a video that you made, mm-hmm. there's. Do you have a bunch of videos that you've never released? Yes. Really. I actually. This is this is a good convo because it goes out to all of the videographers and filmmakers out there because I think that a lot of filmmakers and artists in general get stuck in their head and be want to put out something that's perfect. I remember when I was starting off with video, I was I have this YouTube channel called Strive TV. And I, I was a producer, so I used to produce. What a producer is, is kind of like the head man, like the, 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 the coach of a production. That's a good way to put it. So what we do yeah. is, the producer is like, okay, cool, we need to get the director, we need to get the, the cinematographer, the writer, financing, the location, put that all together, make a, make a video or a film. So I realized, oh man, I just want to, I want to direct, I want to, you know, make something happen. So... I couldn't hit up my friend all the time and say, "Hey, can you film for me today?" Because I feel inspired. <laughs> and like, and I had so many of those situations. I had to buy a camera, bought my camera, and just started shooting. And I was shooting horribly. I was bad. And I'm from film school, so I was. It just looked <laughs> bad. And I. You were so ashamed. Oh, it's bad. And I would, <laughs> I would, I would upload it. Right, and I would upload it to my my YouTube channel. It's still back in the day, and this is on my personal page. And people used to say, are, "Are you? Why are you posting stuff that you're not, you know, really proud of?" And I was telling people that I like to keep a reminder for myself and others that you can always improve, and that I'm not gonna put it up because if I don't put it up, I'm gonna start hoarding. All of my content, and no one's going to see it, and I'm not going to feel proud of it in the future. Of saying, "Look how much I've really improved. Look what I've created." I remember, I remember doing a really bad video for this um, street art show, and I got these notes back from one of the you know producers or whatnot. They're like, you know, this video is not that great. You know, the color correction is <laughs> off. It's overexposed. Damn. Shaky footage. And I got really defensive. I didn't write it back in an email to my friend. I was like, they don't know what they're talking about. They suck. They don't appreciate art and hard work. <laughs> then I took a very unbiased <laughs> so you took it really well. I, yeah. The great feedback. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Like, Fuck these guys. <laughs> So then, but I looked at it and I'm like, oh god, it is pretty bad. Oh, it's underexposed. So what I did, I learned color correction, I learned color grading, I learned color correction. I I I sought out my friends who were DPs, director of photographies, asked them about shutter, asked them about 
um, Aperture, asked him about ISO, did a whole bunch of research, then I put out my next video, a little better. And then, of course, I look at it again, like, oh, shaky footage, I should be doing it in slow-mo. Okay, let's research slow-mo. So when you start putting stuff out, I think it gives you a reference point of what your talent was at that point of time, and it gives you a good uh, bar for you to either step over or at least you know appreciate and say, yeah. okay, you know what, fuck, I'm I'm that bad, shit, I'm just gonna quit. But well, least, you never you never would have got that feedback. Yeah, ever. Unless I put it up. Yeah, and you would have waited. It's like you're seven months pregnant and you just never give birth. If you, oh, yeah. if you don't just, <laughs> release just, anything, you're just walking around waddling. Yeah, it's just said, <laughs> well, I'm going to birth it pretty soon. Exactly. It's going to happen. You oh, know? man. Can you imagine that? Just uh, five years of a baby in your stomach? I know people that never released like anything. Songs yeah. and albums and shit. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. It's, it's not the way to go, especially, yeah. now, especially nowadays. Every, everybody wants to see your process. Yeah. The things you put out should mm-hmm. be your process. Yeah. So they can grow with you. And the negative comments and everything that you get online from trolls to criticism, you got to take it as a way to grow and fail. You look at, you look at it either as, as a failure or just another uh, reason to learn more. And that's why I think when you do post things and you do get negative comments, you do get a lot of people hating on it. I've, I've, I get this so many times, like back in the day, even now, that I learn, okay, this isn't something that's uh, palatable to the general public, and it's probably got some flaws that I've overlooked. I'm going to take this criticism. I'm going <laughs> to kick a, kick a heavy bag really hard, let it all out, and then really look at it from an unbiased point of view and judge myself critically and say, okay, I need to improve. Absolutely. There's always going to be something, but it's, it's being self-aware Yeah, too. It helps you with your, your self-awareness. Mm-hmm. It really does. And like your initial reaction to the feedback, being angry, you, it just helps you grow, man. You just, you can't, you can't hoard yeah. the creative process. You can't. Yeah. So then you're working on videos like Four hours a day, five hours a day, six yeah, hours a day? A lot. I would say eight to 10 hours a day. You're just staring at a screen. Yeah, I had to get special glasses for the computer. Damn. That blocks out the blue light. And then even right now, even I'm just thinking about it, like <laughs> my eyes dry out and I need to take a break. And the thing is, what's so sh- um, interesting and shitty actually about these days, yeah. is you're always going to be staring at a screen. Yep. Like even like I until was they like, put it in your brain, I know you're gonna be staring at a screen. Like yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to just take a break from uh, um, from editing. I'm just <laughs> Go gonna make on my some, phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna make some music. And I'm like, ah, I'm gonna be staring at another screen. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch some TV. Oh, another screen. So now when you take a break, just go outside and go out in nature. And that's yeah. the other day I went to Mulholland Lookout, and I just I drove. Went up there, 30 minutes, just looked at nature. That's awesome. That's yeah. like, you know what? No more screens. Yeah, I think there's a correlation between being creative and um, exercising too. Yeah. Something about that. Mm-hmm. The best time I've ever had when I was making music is when me and my friend had a, a setup in his garage and there was mm-hmm. a basketball hoop in the street. So we get, oh. bored of, we'd get bored of making music. 
and we go shoot hoops. Wow. And when we got tired as fuck from shooting hoops, we go back to making music. And when you nice. get back to the um, making music, it's you have a fresh perspective on everything. Yeah. And so, yeah, when I get my big warehouse, my mansion and shit, yeah. I definitely want to have a gym, like you were talking about, just punching the bag and yes. then going back to it. Yeah. There's definitely something to be said about that. It used to be smoking cigarettes, but now it's <laughs> working out. <laughs> yeah, there's, I think there's studies about it too. Um, power poses or the way that your, your body and where your, how your blood flows, everything about your physical, hmm. um, I would say, stature is right now, how, you, how you're sitting, how you're standing, really does translate to your creative output and your work and just the way that you feel. You know, like even when you're sitting down for long periods of time, like you need to just get up. Yeah. And I think there's also, yeah, I, I forgot, it's other, um, I, I read a lot, I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. Yeah, me too. What, do you, so, what are you listening to right now? The, right now, I'm listening to The Untethered Soul. Haven't heard about it. What it's is it? It's a great book. It's about um, knowing who you are really spiritually. Like, if I was to ask you, you know, who you are, are you going to say, I'm Woody? Like okay, well, what if, what if you weren't named Woody? You know who really are you? Like oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a musician. I'm in you know I live in Los Angeles. Yeah. But what if you weren't a musician? What was before you weren't a musician when you were one years old? When you were born. So like in my past you? life, I was like a squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about and, and what it says is that all the all the things in life that bother you that you worry about it doesn't matter because you as just a being or a soul exist. You just exist. Yeah. So any if someone stubbed your toe and you're angry about that, someone stubs your toe. If you stub your toe. <laughs> you stub your toe. Who stubbed my toe? <laughs> Motherfucker stubbed my toe. Anyways, you, you stub your toe and you get angry at it and you're pissed off the whole day. Like why should you be angry? At the end of the day, you're still alive. You're still existing. The emotion of anger is unnecessary. If I ask the question, do you are you do you want to be happy or not? It's just a yes or no. Because you can't set the parameters of your happiness. And yeah. then you can't say, oh, I can only be happy if I don't crash my car or if I don't lose my job or if I don't get 25 likes on this post. So if you want to say if you want to be happy, just say yes. And any of these uh, point, like any of these uh, situations happen, like burn your hand or something, like ow, that hurt, fuck. Okay, you know what? I really do want to be happy, so fuck. It, I'm gonna put a bandaid on this, and I'll be fine. Cool. Yeah, so. I think that's where the the zone out comes from when you're being, when you're creating something or mm-hmm. mowing the lawn, whatever you're doing. It you just disappear. Yeah, and that's where flow state. Yeah, flow state. That's when you're at your purest form of existence. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're editing. You're that's crazy, dude. You're editing. Eight hours a day sometimes. Yeah. You got to burn out. I do. I do. I go through a series of burnouts, probably at the end of every a month. Series of burnouts. Yeah. <laughs> at, at, at the end of every month. And uh, I almost feel it's, it, it first, when it, a burnout to me is when you consistently work on something and you no longer get a creative like energy to put any more into it and you make it, you 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 see your craft you see your work you see whatever you're working on it becomes more of a chore than a actual passion and something that you makes you delight delighted 
So I kind of feel that when I edit for way too long, even in my own personal projects, I feel that I get stuck at a point where the process of editing is laborious and tedious. And I would rather just you know, step away for a little bit and not think about it as like a technical uh, action, as I'm like, I'm just gonna you know, press this button and do this. When I start looking at it more as like, I wanna just create this awesome looking video and these visuals by adding this and that and that, the technical fades away. Yeah. And you find the technical. Yeah. That's why YouTube and, and online courses are amazing because you can just, whatever idea comes to your mind, you can say, okay, I wanna look that up online and see how I can do that. So the technical can always be learned. So burnout to me happens when you're, you lose inspiration you lose motivation. And that happens quite often because sometimes I also get into my own creative process and I treat it like a, an addiction. It's crazy. Like when I start looking at my videos and I start looking at all my past, like if I clear my editing plate, I'm like, I got to edit something because I want to create. Yeah. And then I get stuck in a situation where I have to finish a project and then I do burn out, and then I realize, wow, okay, but you are passionate about something. You need to take breaks. You need to take breaks. And you need to also work on things that are outside of your industry, your craft, your whatever you, whatever you want to pursue as your passion. As in, like, I want to just dance. I, I, I do martial arts. You know, I also uh, cook, you know, love cooking, you know, and also meditating. That's great too. Yoga, like all of this really helps creatively as well because you start, I would say, detaching your mind from the process of like, okay, I need to get this done. I need to work on this. I need to, you know, make this art happen. And when you start working on other things, ideas start to flow to you because you're less attached. Absolutely, yeah. Once you start detaching yourself from, the, from your arts, and looking at it as purely just a creation rather than you know a have to or to do or like a a chore that's when things start going into your creative like flow that's why i i when i get even in my own personal projects and really get into it i have to take a step away cuz then it turns into a job yeah quick too yeah, especially like, if you're editing the same piece over and you, over again i, I yeah. remember when you did a whole month of making beats yeah every day Mm-hmm. And remember you told me like after a while it just got to you, right? Yeah, it does. It does. I think it's uh doing the same thing over and over again too. Mm-hmm. Where it just gets it just gets stagnant and stale. Yeah. What am I gonna do? I'm gonna make a beat again mm-hmm. and sit down and do the same fucking thing that I've been doing for you know, forty days straight or whatever. Yeah. Um I do think that there is a ratio to your knowledge and burnout though because i remember when i was learning say ableton or uh, or premiere mm-hmm. or any editing software when you first sit down it gets so frustrating after a short period of time mm-hmm. because you can't execute the things that you want to do yeah you have a vision in your head you can't get it out and so i think the more that you learn about something a program an art form whatever it may be think that 
it gets less. I don't want to call it writer's block because I don't think that's what it is. Yeah. But the less resistance that you have to create that art. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, because I remember when I first started doing, I, I couldn't do shit. I would, I would sit down for an hour yeah. and I wouldn't get anything done. Mm-hmm. And you just learn step by step and you get to a point where all of a sudden you can do shit in, in an hour or it, it's just much, much faster. Exactly. And now I, I find myself, for music especially, I find myself spending more time thinking about what I'm going to do mm-hmm. than executing. Wow. Like I'll, I'll okay. sit here on my phone for a half an hour. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I'm going to make for a specific project I'm working on or song or whatever. Yeah. And I'll sit there and think about, okay, so I have to make this trap beat. Uh, uh, look up a, a few videos or um, listen to some inspiration. Mm-hmm. I'll just sit here on Instagram and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then I'll go in there yep. and I know exactly what I'm going to do almost before I do it, if that makes sense. Wow, yeah. 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 And I think, I think once uh, technology gets more accessible and simpler, I think the creation process is just going to balloon because then you're going to be able to produce more. You know, once, <laughs> once, you're just, once there's an auto editor that's based on a formula that you give it. AI. Yeah. Once that happens, then you're, you're, you're just going to see this ex- explosion of content. We already see it right now. Yeah. It's like a content explosion. It's like the whole world is just ejaculating onto social media right That's now. a very harsh way to put it, but yes. It really is. Everyone's <laughs> like, oh, I can create anything. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And I can have great content. You know, that's really shitty content. Like, and, and that's why YouTube is... I love YouTube because it's given people the opportunity to post whatever they want to post, be creative, and billions of people have access to it. At the same time, it gives people a, a platform to either be racist or uh, to, to be just horrible people. Mm-hmm. And also, there are certain creators or whatnot that aren't that great, but I appreciate what they do. And when they are idolized, that type of creation or that type of uh, content is then uh, popularized mm-hmm. and doesn't allow for some creativity. So anyways, I, I think that you know, as technology grows and everyone is expressing themselves, uh, it even makes more of a niche for everyone to have an audience. Yeah. Which is cool. I mean, so is it is it quality over quantity still or is it is it the other way around? Are you, should you just be putting out a bunch of shit or should you be focused on I want to make a really good piece mm-hmm. every week opposed to every day or whatever it, whatever the time period may be. Yeah. Do you think it's it's quality or it's quantity at this point? It's a it's a balance. Um it depends on what you want, right? If you want the followers, the likes, the, the brand building mm-hmm. or whatnot, then I would say the quantity. But if it really is you're becoming an auteur, an artist, developing your brand, your visual style, you need that time to do that. But then there's also the argument of having the team. Right. So if I was, of course, you know, the day that I make you know, enough money that I can hire eight people, to handle my social media updates, my social media content, 
you know, and be like Gary V, you know, then it's easier to have quantity and quality because mm-hmm. then you are compartmentalizing and delegating to people where you can't offer that. And then the question is too, is that, you know, how much is quantity? You know, what, what, how, many should, how much do you post? Because I used to post a lot. Should be, I don't know. I mean, it, it just depends on what you're doing. Yeah. If you're, like you said, if you're a business, I think it need, it's a different strategy than someone who's you know, making pottery I think <laughs> yeah. on their own mm-hmm. as a hobby. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit different. But I also think it is important when you're talking about having the team to know what you're doing on all those different levels. Yep. So when you do have a team... You can say, yo, homie, your aperture is too low on that camera mm-hmm. or this sound doesn't sound correct because your microphone is all messed up or what have you. Knowing all these different elements when you do have a team is very important. And I think people mm-hmm. think people think they can just buy that sometimes and they'll just hire a team without really knowing what they're doing. Yeah, And I think that that's, especially trying to do something like we're doing with creative direction and, yeah. and running a team, you have to know all those different elements. You That's have right. to. Yeah. And, then, and, and I remember I had, a, I had a meeting with a director, a producer actually last week who was asking me, you know, how, how do I become you know, a freelancer? How do I start my own production company? How do I work with clients? And I asked him, do you have a camera? And he said, no, I don't have a camera. I'm like, so do you want to direct and do content for people? I'm like, yeah, but you know, I don't, do I need a camera? Because I don't really want to do it. I have a DP. I can just get a DP. And I was telling him that I found myself much more creative when I bought a camera. Because like I told you before, I can't just call up my friend and say, hey, right now I feel completely inspired. I want to go to, the, I want to, go to Topanga Canyon. I want to fly a drone and then film my friend who's a model. Can you come? You know, some people have their own schedules, but if I have my own camera, then I'll be able to, you know, pick that up and create that masterpiece. Now, if you have that camera and you are a director and you are filming, you get to know how it is to be a director of photography or a cinematographer. Now, for me, I can go on set, like in my web series or even when I was at YouTube Space, like you saw my YouTube Space, I was handling an epic red helium. Yeah. On my shoulder. It's a very expensive camera yeah. for those who are listening. Like nothing. Yeah. And I had like, you know, my two PAs, and I was like, all right, cool. Can you build that Dana Dolly right there? Throw this head, uh, the, the fluid head on top. I want it to look like this. Keep it at the combo stand over there. Throw it up a couple feet. Throw a Lico on top. You know, focus the light. Throw a gel. And I was able to say <laughs> this stuff. <laughs> so, what in the hell did you just say? Exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't have known this stuff and I, if I didn't pick up a camera. Because, you, yeah, you're prepping the camera, you're prepping the lighting, you're prepping the set, you're yeah. prepping the actors and people that are in the scene. You're, yeah. you're doing all of the different components yep. that go into making a video. Yeah. It's even and for music production. It didn't used to be like that. No, it didn't. At all. Before, it used to be, I am a director. Right. I am a director. All I do is direct. I have a vision. Exactly. I come in <laughs> on my director's chair. No one touch me. Bring me my coffee and rub my feet. Exactly. That, that seriously, that's what the director. When I, I remember when I was growing up. I'm like, that's cool. I'm gonna sit in director's chair. I want to be chair. a director. I'm just gonna boss people around. <laughs> now I'm like, oh my god, I'm filming. I'm doing sound. I'm doing lighting. I'm like. 
production designing. I'm like, and the thing, and I actually like it because I have so much control over things. And now I can just tell people, oh, okay, cool, yeah, just set up that lighting here, this this configuration, this configuration. So now you have more control because then now when I'm on set, I'm like, I want to light them a certain way. I want to get these shadows. I want to get this movement in the camera. And I want the actor to do this. It's only, it only happens if you actually do it. Right, and you know Just what you're talking about. You have to know what you're talking about because you can't explain it in the terms that needed to be translated yeah. within the industry. Yeah. There's so many words and there's so many different tools that you can't just say, this looks fucked up. I don't know what it is, but this, yeah. this doesn't look good and we should probably fix it. Can someone give me a cappuccino, please? Yes. Almond milk, thank you. <laughs> that, that doesn't work anymore. No. It's fix the lighting, mm-hmm. it's too warm or it's too yeah. cool or whatever. Fix the gel on the yeah. light. Um, so yeah, that's awesome, dude. You know, it also comes to like when you work with other creators as a business owner or just as like you know, someone that's giving notes to someone else. You know, I know you've, you've probably experienced this yeah. when you send out a track or a pitch deck or a video and someone's like, I don't know, I don't know like how it looks. Can you um, take the car away in the background and then remove you what know, you, that person's what you logo? Get, what do you get in, I'll tell you what I get with music, but what do you get, what feedback like that do you get from clients? Oh God, my for, favorite. Video. My favorite is like for video. It's like, can you Photoshop that out? Oh my God! I'm like, yo, let's. It let's. ain't video shop, exactly. bro. <laughs> so it's Photoshop, and there's video. So, what you can do in Photoshop, can't really do it on video. But you can go fuck yourself, shop. Exactly. <laughs> Those are my favorite. My notes. Like, like, can you Photoshop that? I'm like. Oh my God. Like, do you understand like the amount of frame? There's 24 frames per second, just letting people know. There's 24 pictures Hold per on, second. Hold on, let's break this down real quick for everybody. So go ahead and break it down. For traditional film, 24. So traditional film is 24 frames per second. That's how cinema um, looks when you go to the movie theater. But now, you know, 30 frames per second. It's like TV. And a frame is a picture. So yes. every second, there's, there's 24 picture. pictures yes. that all go... Exactly. To make one second of video. That's right. Yeah. And uh, it actually happened to me when you work with After Effects and the whole idea of a DI, a digital intermediate. They do that work of comping out or compositioning out imperfections in a scene. <sighs> a friend of mine used to take boom mics out. And what you have to do, frame by frame, you have to clone stamp. Wow. I know if you use, there's all the creatives out there. So, at the end of the day, what, what, what we're trying to say is, is that when someone who doesn't know the medium or the art form gives you a note and is the authoritative figure, you either have to educate them or you just slap yourself in the head. And Probably just, a little bit of both. Exactly. Yeah, but most of the time, most of the time they mean well, but they, they do. don't know how to explain it correctly. Yes, and yeah. that's why when you do know everything, when you do know your craft, you know all the different departments, you're able to give notes to people. And you know the limitations and how much the work, how much work it's going to take yeah. and what is actually needed to be done yep. to get the look you're going for. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's awesome. And what so what are you working on right now? What's the current Mitch swag vibe? So, current on? Mitch swag vibe yeah. is that um, I have my own production company. So 
we film videos for clients and brands. We do everything from music videos to uh, branded content. Same time, I have you know my YouTube channels, Strive TV and Rave Train, which are still active, and so I'm creating content for that. But really, what I'm focusing on right now, which is like my bread and butter, are videos, video production, and I am creating a feature film that will talk about uh, DJing and being an Asian American in the early 2000s, and so I'm writing that script. Will you have bleached hair in the movie? Oh, there will be <laughs> bleached hair, long bangs, visors, Jinko jeans, Tommy Hilfiger and Nautica Dude, shirts. You just, you just laid it out right there. Oh, yeah, <laughs> with, with, with 1999 Civic SI body kits and Nokia and, 3510 phones that flash. Tustin Jimberlake. Yes. <laughs> Not Justin Timberlake because we can't afford him. Exactly. Tustin Jimberlake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like I'm, I really want to create feature films. This is why I got into videos, into films, because I want to make a movie. And so, music, man. Exactly. And music. Yo, the audio aspect of video yes. is so important. Yeah. Not just music. Foley, sound effects, yeah. all that shit. It's so overlooked. It is. I think it's still so overlooked. It is. And what I really do want to do with this film is because I'm a DJ and you know I produce music is I want to make it a visual mixtape. That's tight. It's just everything is just gonna flow. It's that's how I treat every single one of my videos. It's gonna flow. So I'm working on that feature film. A friend of mine is uh, also attached to uh, is writing this uh, script for a movie. He wants to attach me as director. A friend of mine, we've been working on a script together for another short that I want to work on. It's going to be an action film. So I really want to bring up my action chops. I already have that casted. I'm probably going to shoot it next month. And my whole thing this year is just to up my game when it comes to my video quality. Mm. I want to do national commercials. I want to do TV. And I want to direct feature films. And while do you think you can do that with a DSLR? I think you can. Yeah. I feel it would have to be done in a way where you have to have the right resources, story, and uh, shots. Yeah, and because for those can... listening, a DSLR is a more a cheaper camera. Yeah. Not a $30,000, $100,000 camera they use for filming big-time movies, but just the stuff that vloggers use and shit like that. Yep. The technology's gotten really good on the DSLR front. Yeah. And I, I think it's I think it's possible. I think so too. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to do it with uh, my Panasonic GH5. Cool. My Atomos Ninja Inferno. But I get myself a uh, Rokinon CineLens kit. And you can just make some really cool stuff with that. Yeah. And uh, you know You can make a movie for about I mean, you can make a movie on your fucking iPhone. Yeah. To be transparent. But the things that you were just talking about, mm -hmm. you could make a movie. What do you think the budget is for if you wanted to make a movie, ten grand? You could do it. You can do it for ten grand if you have your actors for free, right? And you do it all in daylight. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, the sound, the, whatever dialogue or sound is minimal, and you have a really good story. So great actors, good story. Sound is great, so get a sound sound guy. Great camera and shoot it in daylight. Fuck yeah, 10K. 
Yeah. Or 5K. <laughs> you can make a movie by yourself. It's a silent movie. During oh, the, I can make In a, the daylight. <laughs> oh, I can make a feature in 5K. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It'd be, be starring a, Woody. It'd be a pain in the ass, though. It'd be, it'd be me and Woody. <laughs> Doing an interpretive dance. Exactly. In <laughs> silver. And we're going to be rapping with bleached blonde hair. <laughs> that's how we do. That's amazing. Because we just do it. Breh. Breh. <laughs> just do it, breh. Just do it, breh. <laughs> Um, last question. Yes. I really enjoy this. What, uh, what app would you recommend that people download? Whoa. Wow. Okay. Let's see. That's... It could be anything. It doesn't have to be creative. It doesn't have to be video. It doesn't have to be music. It could be any, any app. Huh. I would... Oh, God. So this can go on so many levels right now. It's gonna be... Can I look at my phone? Yeah, go through your phone right now. Yeah, it can't be Tinder. <laughs> I was going to say Hinge, but no, let's see. Um, let's look at my phone and see what do I use a lot. Oh, yeah, Elevate. What is that? So Elevate is brain games. Ah. I actually use this every single day. So Elevate uh, is a app where you play different types of games, but it helps you with reading, writing, memory, uh, articulation, speaking. And so I, I, I actually suggest this to people because it is a great way to improve yourself every single day, make yourself smarter. How do you, how do you spell it? E-L-E-V-A-T-E. So just elevate. Elevate. And is it free? It's free. Well, I love it. All right, bro. Well, thanks for coming through. Yeah. Good times. We'll, we'll catch up again sometime soon. You are the best, Woody. And everybody, remember, super tight. Super tight. Hey. Check them out. Hey. Hire Woody. Hey. And always listen to this podcast. Always. Yes. <laughs> Love you guys. Thank you. Jesus. Woo. Mitchell has taught me so much about video production. We've worked on a ton of projects together, and we're always planning more, so stay tuned in. You can check out Mitchell online at MitchellDoomLau.com and at MitchellDoomLau on all social media platforms. That's M-I-T-C-H-E-L-D-U-M-L-A-O. If you like the Super Tight Podcast, please share it with a friend or family member that you think would enjoy it. You can follow me on Instagram at SuperTightCO. Let me know what you think of this episode. I will catch you guys later. Thank you for listening. This has been the Super Tight Super tight.